Hi, I'm Michelle, and this is the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast, where we hang out for a few minutes each episode and talk about cool church and business info you need to know. Since it's summertime and the year is half over, in today's episode, we're going to talk about performing a mid-year review for your church and the three areas that I think you need to take a look at. Are you ready? Let's go learn something. Hello, dear friend, and welcome to the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Brown, and I am an enrolled agent and church finance consultant, and I love all things Jesus, church finances, business, and books. In this podcast, we will discuss the ins and outs of church finances and clergy taxes, along with how to serve the local church as a staff member, volunteer, or through your bookkeeping business, all while keeping Jesus at the center of everything you do. So grab your notebook and pen to take some notes because we're going to learn all about church bookkeeping, payroll, compensation, and tax compliance. And I'll probably throw in an occasional episode on faith and mindset work too. So if this sounds like fun to you, then come on, let's get ready to learn. Welcome to episode number 30 of the podcast. Woohoo! I'm so excited. I can't believe it's been 30 episodes already. Well, today's episode is titled, Welcome to Summer, Time for a Mid-Year Review. Let's become history makers by taking some great notes. But first, here's a cool quote from Mr. Henry Ford. He said, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. And I like that very much. Now let's dig into today's episode. Just like many businesses do an annual performance review on their employees, churches should also do a mid-year review on three important areas that you may need to be adjusted. Number one, your budget. Number two, the minister housing allowance. And number three, contributions. So let's take a look at each one and why you should take a look at these now instead of at the end of the year. The first one, the budget. The word budget is defined as an estimate of income and expenditures for a set period of time. That means budgets are not written in stone and can absolutely be changed when merited. With most major church activities occurring in the third and fourth quarters of the calendar year, taking a deeper view of your budget numbers mid-year can be a great help in preparing for those increased expenses. A great process to follow is to give each of your department leaders a year-to-date copy of their budget and expenses with the details of what they are, and then have them look at their planning schedules for the remainder of the year and see if they are on target or if any adjustments need to be made. If any adjustments do need to be made at this time, simply follow your church's procedures as spelled out in the budget section of your financial policy and procedure guide, which hopefully you have, okay? So that one's easy peasy. Take a look at your budget, see where you're at. If you don't think you're going to have enough money to make it through the rest of the calendar year, follow your processes and make that adjustment. The second area, and I believe one of the most important, is your minister's housing allowance. I cannot speak enough about this topic because it is the most misunderstood benefit qualified ministers have. The key here is to have all qualified ministers to review their housing expenses year to date and to review, according to the IRS, quote, quote, ministers are individuals who are duly ordained, commissioned, or licensed by a religious body constituting a church or church denomination. Ministers have the authority to conduct religious worship, perform sacerdotal functions, and administer 
ordinances, or sacraments according to the prescribed tenets and practices of that church or denomination. If a church or denomination ordains some ministers and licenses or commissions others, anyone licensed or commissioned must be able to perform substantially all the religious functions of an ordained minister to be treated as a minister for IRS purposes. To further clarify on what ministerial services are, the IRS states that most services you perform as a minister, priest, rabbi, etc. are ministerial services. These services include performing sacerdotal functions, which are doing the observance of the Lord's Supper, doing baptisms, doing weddings, doing funerals, things like that. Okay, conducting religious worship and controlling, conducting, and maintaining religious organizations, including the religious board societies and other integral agencies of such organizations that are under the authority of a religious body that is a church or denomination. You are considered to control, conduct, and maintain a religious organization if you direct, manage, or promote the organization's activities. So now that we have all the legal jargon out of the way again on who is a qualified minister for the housing allowance exception, let's see why you need a mid-year review for this item. Number one, life happens, people. You know it. I know it. We all know it. We've been through spring. We're now going headstrong into summer. You've no doubt experienced a thunderstorm or two that may have blown off some shingles or downed a tree or two. And maybe now that the temps are reaching the 90 degree mark, you've turned on your AC unit just to discover it is not blowing out the cold air you were hoping for. <laughs> you did not plan on these expenses last winter when you set your designated housing allowance amount. So now is the time to make that adjustment. Though you cannot get back pay to help cover those amounts, you absolutely can add those expenses into the amount to be designated for the remainder of the year. So I'm going to walk you through an example, okay? So on January 1st, 2023, you had a designated housing allowance of $24,000. You, you receive that in payments of $2,000 a month, okay? Your regular housing expenses year-to-date from January 1st to June 1st were 12 grand. In the spring, you had storm damage in May of 2023 at an estimated cost to repair of five grand, all right? Your AC unit died and you gotta replace it. You discovered that in June at an estimated cost to replace it of $8,500. Both of the above additional costs are estimates only due to a work backlog for both companies and they can't get to your home until mid-July to do the actual work. So no payment, including no deposits for these expenses have been made at all. Not a zero zilch, okay? So remember this, you didn't pay anything to have this work, these repairs done yet. So if you were spot on in your designation of the 24 grand before these weather issues, you will have $13,500 more in actual expenses than designated when you add the cost of the storm damage and the new AC unit that's an additional $13,500. As you know, the allowable housing exclusion follows the least of three rule. You are allowed to exclude from federal income tax the least of the designated housing allowance, the actual expenses, or your for fair rental value of your home fully furnished plus utilities. So in this particular case, if the minister decided not to do a review to see if any adjustments needed to be made, 
assuming that his fair rental value plus utilities was greater than the 24 grand, then his allowable housing exclusion on his 2023 return would only be the 24 grand that was designated because that was the least of three. Now, if he took the time to do the review before the end of June and adjusted his housing designation and added the 13.5 to his housing allowance with an effective date of July 1st, he would now be eligible to include the cost of paying for the needed repairs since the designation adjustment was made before the payments were made. Therefore, instead of two grand that he received each month for January to June, he would now receive $4,250 for each month remaining in the calendar year and a new annual designated housing allowance of $37,500 would be used for end of year calculations. The make or break issue here is that the housing allowance is never ever ever retroactive when it comes to the expenses you pay. This means you can't go back and pick up expenses you have already paid and consider them to be part of your used housing allowance at the end of the year if you exceeded your designated housing allowance at the time you paid them. That's why I stressed earlier that the repairs were not paid for when they occur and that the new housing allowance designation was made before the expenses were paid for. So if the minister had paid for the repairs when they occurred, then he couldn't legitimately include those expenses in the adjusted housing allowance because the housing allowance is proactive and not retroactive. Is that clear as mud? <laughs> okay. To me, I think that's fascinating and just fun. So just remember, if when you come to the middle of the year, if you know of any upcoming expenses that you're going to have or you've had any um, damage or unexpected expenses that have not been paid for, repairs that need to be made, equipment that needs to be replaced but has not been done yet, get that adjustment in your housing allowance done so that you can receive the funds for that and include that amount in your housing allowance after you've gotten the adjustment made and approved and start receiving those funds legitimately, okay? That could be huge tax savings right there. All right, and then the third area that I want you to do a mid-year review on is your contributions. So likely by now, it's mid-June, okay? You've done a few ministry projects during the first half of the year. Take this opportunity to share with your donors what you've been doing with the money they've been giving you. Send them a mid-year contribution statement showing their giving year-to-date along with a giving supplement statement sharing some of the ministry projects you've completed already this year. So an example would be, you could word it, because of your generous giving so far this year, we at First Christian Church of Anywhere USA have been able to do the following. Number one, we were able to send 75 students to youth camp. Number two, we were able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with 215 children and adults that participated in this year's Vacation Bible School. Number three, we collected $3,746 for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that helps support missionaries in North America. Number four, we completed home repairs for three of our senior citizens in the community who had a need. So you get the drift, okay? So help your church members to know where their giving is going 
so that they get a sense of accomplishment and knowing that their giving is making a difference in others' lives. All right. So none of these are complicated or tremendously time consuming. It's June and July. After you get the VBS out of the way, um, you know, I mean, your kids ministry and your youth minister guys are really kind of summer is their busy time between vacation Bible school and youth camp and children's camp and, you know, youth activities going here and going there and youth trips. But take I believe that these three items are worth taking the time during your slowest time of the year generally to go through and just see, do we need to make any adjustments to our budget? Are there things that we thought, you know, we would spend five grand on, but it looks like we're only going to spend three. Can that $2,000 be, is there another ministry in the church that you can use that so you can adjust that too? Okay. And again, follow whatever your church's budget process is for getting that approved. Next, your minister's housing allowance. I, again, I am always going to fight for this for my ministers. Um, the the best, greatest tax benefit to our ministers is this housing allowance. So don't think that just because you've already set your housing allowance at the beginning of the year that it can't be changed again till the next year. It absolutely can. The deal is, is it just has to be proactive and not retroactive. Okay. And then third is contributions. This one is, is just simple. Just print out a contribution statement, uh, say January 1st through July, uh, June 30th. Type up a uh, supplement and put it in the mail to your people that have given, say, use the criteria if you were required to give them one at the end of the year then give them one. A lot of church, some churches don't do them at all. I think that is a huge disservice to your members. Um, but if you've got people that are doing, you know, if you're, if you say, if you've given more than $250 in the first half of the year, send them one of these, let them know, you know, what they've done. It doesn't take a lot of time and you would be amazed how doing this on a biannual basis can make a difference and increase the contributions that you receive. So that is going to wrap up another episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that the information provided was informative and insightful. I pray that it gives you some ideas on how to use the summer as a time to review the three important areas of the church that we discussed. And be sure to tune in next time for some valuable insights for your church finance office and or bookkeeping business. And until next time, my friend, let's all strive to make an impact and not just an income. Take care and remember to always look your best, do your best, and be your best. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you learned something new or were inspired in any way, please do me a huge Omongo favor and leave me a fantastic five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people to find the show and then share this episode with someone who you think it could help. Until next time, my friend, be blessed. Thank you.